1: Bring in show music,
0: please. Hi there. I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on Squawk Pod, the interview heard on Wall Street, Main Street, and pretty much every virtual street there is. Sam Bankman-Fried, disgraced but speaking out at the New York Times Deal Book Summit. I mean, look, I've had a bad month.
2: Um, This has not been a fun last but. That's not what matters here. What matters here is the millions of customers. What matters here is all the stakeholders in FTX who got hurt.
0: Highlights from his candid sit-down with our own Andrew Ross Sorkin, plus a debrief with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan.
3: Do I think he's sorry? I do think he's sorry. That part I absolutely- I he's sorry
4: he got caught. There's two ways you can come at this. Either you're an idiot or a criminal for what happened with the $8 billion missing. Clearly went with the I'm an idiot.
0: And on the brink of a railroad strike, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg on averting a logistical disaster.
5: There are not enough trucks, not enough barges, not enough ships in this country to make up for the consequences if we didn't have freight rail.
0: So it's crypto's crunch, a red-hot railway crisis, and the latest in the Federal Reserve's inflation battle.
6: Decide which guy you want to hang on every word, J-Power SBF, it's weird. It's a weird... (laughs)
0: It's Thursday, December 1st, 2022, and a chock-full Squawk Pod begins right now. The annual New York Times Dealbook Summit returned yesterday with an in-person event featuring our own Andrew Ross Sorkin and an all-day lineup of the most consequential people at the intersection of business, politics, and culture. The day was capped off with fallen Crypto King Sam Bankman-Fried in his first public appearance since the FTX exchange he founded collapsed. Bankman-Fried spoke via video feed from the Bahamas, answering questions about his management failures and whether FTX broke the law by lending customer funds to a trading firm, Sam Bankman-Fried also owned. It's called Alameda Research. It was truly a remarkable conversation, and that's where we start today's podcast with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin.
4: who is back after DealBook. Congratulations, Andrew. Thank you. That was amazing, and I could not take my eyes, especially off the Sam Bankman-Fried interview in- yesterday.
3: <laughs> when was it over? Ooh. Bit of a crazy day. It,
4: it was. It went long. It was. Well, I mean, over the, six the whole o'clock. deal.
6: When did you go home?
3: Oh, I think I didn't get home till
6: about eight thirty-nine. We started early. Yeah. D- did Long you day. cocktail up it up at all afterwards? You must uh, No cocktail. Not even a glass of wine. Not even anything to take the. I uh, was living off a of diet coke all day. That uh, my,
3: that's my what I mean, though. To bring, to
4: bring yourself back down just to oh, go to sleep.
3: I probably should have, frankly, because I <laughs> yes. didn't sleep so well. So, uh, yeah, by the
6: 8 o'clock hour this
3: morning, all, you'll, all, you'll, know, all,
6: you'll know. All amped up. Well, we'll talk a lot more about it. I, th- I think it's weird. Can you figure out, does he still like the attention, do you think? Is it like, or, or, does he need cath- is it cathartic? Is it uh, mea culpa? Or what is he, it
4: trying to protect himself? Yeah, legal, just, yeah, I, like, I don't know. Well, that's not Michael what you do. You don't go coming. talk
6: to Sorkin if you want to protect yourself I, legally. I don't know. It
4: feels to me like he's trying to say, I didn't know it, so maybe you go with the.
6: Does anyone start out hoping something like that happens? I mean, I even remember how the, like the worst of the worst. Bernie Madoff said, you know, when I started this, I just wanted to, I just wanted to be doing well for people, and it, you know, it, it just gets out of hand. Does it just get out of hand that no one starts? As I'm a, imagine. I mean, look, I, I, I actually think. I know we we're going to
3: talk a lot more about this later. I think that it probably got it both got out of hand and because it was such a and still is this remarkably unregulated world and is so sort of abstract I think by the way not just abstract to all of us but abstract to even themselves that the idea of moving money from one thing to another and it was all it was it I don't think I I, I, and this isn't a defense of it at all by the way but I you know when you try to rationalize how could have this even got into this place um so I think he's sorry? I do think he's sorry. That part, that part I absolutely... I think absolutely he's sorry he
4: got caught and that, that, that he lost all his money.
3: That, that, that part I believe.
4: I, I, and I, and, I, and I, by the way, I, I, I can't believe the Bill Ackman take on this, the Kevin O'Leary take on this, what they tweeted afterwards that they sat there believing him. Because I I, I don't know if they were watching the same interview I was watching. I, 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 I sat through that and thought There's, this guy's a lying liar.
3: What, what's, the, what's that test when you, you remember? the Rorschach was, test. The Rorschach test, but that, right? The dress that's either yeah. blue or, or green. Uh, but there it is. Bill Ackman, called me crazy. He was there. Uh, Bill, I, the, Bill was there in person. It. Right. And I, uh, I saw somebody saying, creative. is he OK?
4: And I saw somebody else saying, yeah, I'm sitting right next to him at the DealBook conference. Right. I think the best response I saw to that tweet that he put out was from that Shibo, you know, the dog. Oh. The Shibuina. dog. That, yeah, who said, Shibuina. oh, OK, cool. Unrelatedly, if I send you if you send me a million dollars, I will send you two million dollars. I mean, <laughs> right.
3: It was interesting because actually, as I was leaving, there were there were people who believed him, um, not just believed him, but thought. I mean, I, I th- there were. I think it was, there's honestly two two sides. Some people were are I don't, sympathetic is the wrong word, but as, as we said at the beginning of the interview, the the sympathetic version is either this is somebody who made terrible, 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 very, very bad decisions, which is what I think he was. What is what I think he believes he made.
4: So he thinks he's criminally negligent. Or. Versus complete out fraudster.
3: Something much worse. Yeah. I repeatedly asked him about the commingling of funds between FTX and his other company, Alameda. I
2: ain't knowingly commingle funds. And again, one piece of this, you have the margin trading. You have, you know, customers borrowing from each other. Alameda is one of those I was frankly surprised by how big Alameda's position was, which points to another failure of oversight on my part, um, and uh, failure to appoint someone to be chiefly in charge
3: of that. Uh, but uh, I wasn't trying to commingle funds. And we got into uh, maybe even a bigger question, which is I asked him what his lawyers are telling him right now.
2: They're very much not. Um, <laughs>
3: uh, and.
2: Uh, I mean, you know, the classic advice, right? Don't say anything, Uh, you know, recede into a hole. Uh, And it's not who I am. I mean, it's not who I wanna be. I don't have, I I think I have a duty to talk to people. I have a duty to explain what happened. And I think I have a duty to do everything I can to try and do what's right. If there is anything I can do to to try and help customers out here. And uh, I don't see what good is accomplished by me just sitting locked uh you know I- I- you know in a room pretending the
3: outside world doesn't exist you're in the Bahamas right now, are you in the Bahamas because you think you can't leave
2: uh no I I'm, I'm in the Bahamas i mean, i I have been in in the Bahamas for the last year and you know I've been running FTX from the Bahamas you know I've been running FTX digital market, our you know primary operating entity down here um you know with with you know Bahamian uh Regulators and uh, you know and others in, in 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 contact and uh, you know right now I'm you know I'm looking to be helpful anywhere I can with any of the global entities that uh you know that would want my help. Do you think you
3: could come to the United States or go elsewhere? I I I, I to my knowledge I could. H- have you thought about doing that? I
2: I've, I've thought about it and um you know I mean I mean i've seen uh, a lot of the uh obviously a lot of the hearings that, that have been happening i you know would not be surprised if you know sometime i am you know up there talking about what happened to our representatives or um you know wherever else is is most appropriate i also uh, asked him about what he thought about his own future that's not what i'm focusing on um it's uh, there's going to be a time and a place for me to sort of think about myself and my own future, but I don't think this is it. Like right now, I mean, look, I, I've had a bad month. Um, this has not been any fun year for me, but that's not what matters here. Like, What matters here is the millions of customers. What matters here
3: is all the stakeholders in FTX uh, who, who got hurt. And then we got to the issue of drugs uh which he and others have tweeted a lot about uh over the years uh pictures of m sam
2: i have maybe half a glass of uh of alcohol a year roughly speaking uh, there were no wild parties here when we had parties we'd play board games and you know 20 percent of people would have three quarters of a beer each or something like that um and you know the rest of us would would not drink anything I see, you know, any legal drug use uh, around me, you know, at the office, at, at these parties. Like, and, and, and when I say parties, are, I mean, like, you know, having people over for dinner is
3: what that meant. The Senate going to be holding a hearing today on the collapse of FTX, and I imagine some of this interview may end up being part of that.
4: Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I, I, like I said, I couldn't turn away from it. I watched every single thre- thing through it. But again, if it, there's two ways you can come at this. Either you're an idiot or a criminal for what happened with the $8 billion missing. He clearly went with the I'm an idiot sort of defense. And I, I, I guess I would too if I thought that would get me less jail time.
6: What was the supposed drug use? How, was it supposedly rent? I mean, we go from a half, a, half an ounce a year to... You no,
3: know, I, I think if you if you read some of these tweets, yeah. it's it's about uppers and downers and stimulants, and I but mean those are all those aren't illegal. Illegal, I guess. but much more of a sort of. I, I, so I so used was a, that God Was that a parsed I, answer? Never been. I don't know. I mean, I used I used the phrase. I mean, it, it look, look, the whole thing at this point doesn't look like didn't look like a company. It looked like a, you know an Adderall induced yes. sleepover party.
6: Yeah, that's another um, legal. Which was sort plan. of
3: what it what seems to have been it, on. No one sleeps though. So. But he he, there's been pictures taken uh, of him at his desk taking something called MSAM, which is a a, what is that? a, it's a patch for, I believe for Parkinson's, but it um, increases the dopamine in your brain. And there's a view that by doing that it increases the risks that you may be prepared to take. Um, there's been a lot written and speculated about whether that's true or and not. It, and I don't
6: know the. MSAM is SAM short for what? For, for whatever the, the the long name of the drug is? Or something? I imagine. I think <laughs> Not that, Sam that. Bankman-Free. No. No. Okay. no. no, 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 no. <laughs>
4: no and, and then Sam I say, Am. He did say in the longer response to that, he said that some people may have prescriptions from right. doctors or different things. So he he kind of extended beyond that's, that.
6: that, that see, that's where it's troublesome. That's where you don't really, you know, if you're going to parse, you know, you're, you're going right. to be able to deny something based on the, whether it's legal or illegal but you're abusing legal drugs.
3: I think the whole complicated is. part of this is just no governance. And I just say it over and over again, we talked but, about the no, no CFO, no board, the venture capitalists, you know, weren't minding the store because their business model isn't <laughs> to mind the store. And and, and and that doesn't take away though from what clearly ultimately happened here. He owned both of these entities and I think the hard part that most people struggled with yesterday as we were having this conversation was that he took very little responsibility for what he said was happening to Alameda, even though he owns right. a majority yeah. of that that's company. Right.
6: And he said he didn't know it was commingled. There had to have come a
3: point
4: he, he in time... He said com- he didn't intentionally commingle, I think was exactly what he said. Well, I, didn't, someone, I didn't mean to... Is there,
6: there someone... Okay, maybe somebody else. Had to, isn't there someone who but presses the, a button or signs something that... that, that but
4: that's the problem. If, if, there wa- if he didn't put anybody in controls over that, he he can't then claim that oh he didn't know because he was de facto the person who was in charge of all of that. And He didn't put anybody else there, so that that was the point. Right. You, you laid it out perfectly. Will the, the two
6: million dollar was... guy get his money back? Do you think? I don't know. Um, I think
3: I believe that that gentleman. Because worked, it's you. I, I wrote. A, I I wrote. I read a letter uh, that. It uh, that was you. You wrote the letter. No. Oh, oh okay. 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 I'd, oh, I'd, oh, I'd oh, you sent a letter, a and i would oh. gotten oh. lots of letters like this, and it was it was somebody who said he lost his life savings. Uh, he had put $20 million the U- in US? FTX. No, I believe actually it was FTX Global, and so oh, I believe so that, that would be probably in a more complicated spot right now. But the people here do have a better chance. I think they have a better chance. Interestingly, he said, "Now I don't know if you will be right or wrong. He believes that if you're on FTX US, that, you're, that it's a solvent institution, you're going to get a lot of your money back." Right. I, don't, I think he's, he even. Speculated you could get as much as 100 percent of your money back. I don't know I'd if like any of that's true. I'd like to what
4: the guy who's now in charge of that would say right. to that, because he's already said that a lot of what Sam Bankman-Fried has said is 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 not. But based he also said there does reality. seem to
6: be some right some value. On,
3: and, on and, that yeah, side. but you know how many
4: claims there are on that. In, yeah. in you know, you FTX got,
3: US business. Interestingly, uh, what is now what was FTX derivatives, they've now rebranded Ledger X.
4: Yeah,
3: is up and running again.
4: But BlockFi and everybody who's got a claim on all of these things, bankruptcy court right. uh, that, that's now squared and quadrupled and gone through it, you're talking about years and years and right. years of everything being tied up in claims. So nobody's getting made whole or getting anything back on anything for a, for long a very time. long time. Right. It's,
6: and you've got to share it with the lawyers if yeah. you do. Right. Well, nobody's playing at FTX Arena anymore.
4: Cheese will be next.
0: Up next on Squawk Pod, railroad unions, the seven major freight carriers, and over 100,000 railway workers with no guaranteed paid sick leave. Legislation could save us from a national strike. And Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg says it's pass or bust.
5: If this were to happen, if a shutdown were to happen, Then later on, looking back at the early part of the 21st century, you would say there was COVID, then there was this rail shutdown, and then 9-11, in that order, in terms of how severe and complex the implications for transportation were.
7: We'll be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you Welcome back to Squawk
0: Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross-Sorkin. Here's Becky.
6: Up on
5: Becky. Thank
4: The Senate could vote as early as today on legislation to avert a nationwide rail strike. But first, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg and Labor Secretary Marty Walsh are going to be meeting with Senate Democrats to brief them on the details of the White House's brokered deal that was rejected by four freight unions. Secretary Buttigieg joins us this morning, and sir, it's good to see you. Good to be with you. So uh, explain what's going on here. We know this passed the House. Do you have the votes in the Senate?
5: That's right. So the House took action, and now it's up to the Senate to get a bill to the president's desk. And while the uh, cutoff date for a shutdown is the 9th, a week from tomorrow, we would see impacts much sooner than that because uh, if there's even the possibility of a shutdown, uh, about five days in in advance of that, the uh, railroads would have to uh, begin winding down their acceptance of things like hazardous material shipments that you can't allow to get stranded. So uh, my goal today, speaking to the senators, will be to make sure they understand the implications of a shutdown or even getting close to a shutdown. Uh, It it wouldn't just bring down our rail system, it really shut down our economy. And I want to make sure there's a clear sense of that from a transportation perspective. Now uh, Congress is not always known for swift bipartisan action, but that is what we saw yesterday on the House side, a major uh, bipartisan vote. It moved very quickly when Speaker Pelosi brought it to the floor. uh, I am hopeful that the Senate will also be able to move quickly to prevent the economic consequences that would come from a shutdown.
4: We had a a lawyer who represents many of the unions involved in this yesterday on the show, and he he said that these are threats from the railroad companies, that they would shut things down early.
6: They've already started threatening to shut down before there's even a strike. They've continued to refuse to negotiate. We lowered our demands for paid sick leave we asked for you know we
5: went from 15 to seven
4: you're saying that there's a real reason for that the reason they would have to stop accepting the reason the deadline is really sooner than december 9th
5: yeah and i'll give you an example from amtrak so uh uh, you know you've got a lot of passengers going out on round trip tickets so amtrak's not going to wait until the moment of a shutdown in order to start uh, uh, issuing cancellations or warnings because you don't want a passenger to get stranded. And as bad as it is for a passenger to get stranded, you can imagine the implications if a shipment of hazardous materials gets stuck, which is why you would start to see those wind down effects. But uh, again, the the bigger point I want to make sure everybody understands is there is no substitute in the American transportation system for a functioning freight rail network. There are not enough trucks, not enough barges, not enough ships in this country uh, to make up for the consequences if we didn't have freight rail. It's one of the reasons why there's the Railway Labor Act that creates the power for Congress and the President to step in, something that, that is done with great reluctance. Uh, as you know, You know this, this is a, an administration that uh, feels passionately uh, about uh, uh, the the pro-union stances that the president has taken on uh, everything from having the first card-carrying member uh, in uh, I, I think decades as the uh, labor secretary to the commitment to buy America. We're in a situation right now where the tentative agreement that was reached at the bargaining table by labor leaders and companies a couple of months ago is the clearest path forward to getting something resolved, uh, moving forward, uh, getting increased and enhanced pay for those workers and critically, especially as we go into this holiday season, keeping goods moving in America.
4: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. This was negotiated not just by the companies and the labor union leaders, but it was also signed off on and overseen by the presidential emergency board that that weighed in and made sure that this was going to be a fair deal. You had eight or nine of the unions involved actually ratify it already. What happened with the holdouts was, I mean, to see the administration run by Joe Biden, who calls himself the most, you know, union-sensitive, the most labor-friendly president in history, to see them move like this, was they, were they just asking for far too much?
5: Uh, well, look, uh, there were 12 unions that were party to this deal. Uh, eight of them ratified, but uh, four of them did not. And uh, that reflects a, a large number of the workers involved. Workers are, are understandably concerned about, uh, look, they feel that, that even being able to use the, the unpaid sick days that they do technically have is almost impossible because of the attendance policies of the railroads. That was one, one concern that they had. There were concerns about pay, concerns about healthcare, and all of those got weighed at the bargaining table. I think the final product, that, that tentative agreement, uh, is not something that any one party would say they got all that they wanted. Uh, nobody would say it was perfect, uh, but it does reflect the, the results of, of that bargaining. And, and where we are now is a situation where uh, it is almost unthinkable. What would happen to the U.S. economy if we reach the point of a shutdown. Uh, we're talking about energy refineries that would be unable to ship out their byproducts. They have minimal storage on site, which means at a certain point, they would simply have to stop operations. And uh, for a refinery, that's uh, uh, obviously once you stop, not something you can just uh, throw a switch and mm-hmm. start again. Uh, dairy farmers who rely on, on uh, rail, both in order to get the feed in and in order to get their products out. Uh, food generally, uh, especially uh, with regard to grain and baked goods, uh, you would start uh, seeing spot shortages fairly quickly in the context of a shutdown. My department estimates 765,000 workers would be laid off within the first two weeks, and it would only get worse from there. Look at the auto industry. Auto assembly plants typically only have one to two uh, days of uh, of parts on hand, uh, so it wouldn't take long before they were unable to operate uh, I, I hate sounding like the ghost of Christmas future here, but I just want to make sure everybody, especially right now the decision makers in the Senate who had this before them, understand the implications of what would happen uh, if Washington allowed this to move toward a shutdown.
4: Yeah, as you mentioned, it's not very often that you get bipartisan agreement in Congress to move so quickly in an emergency method like this. The House did move very quickly. In the Senate, you have a couple of holdouts. Bernie Sanders has said, Forget it. This is not fair, and he wants to stand up to it. On the opposite side of the aisle, you've got Marco Rubio saying the same thing, that he's not in favor of it. Either of them could hold this up by going to a filibuster. Do you think they will?
5: Well, uh, like most things in the Senate, this would need 60 votes uh, in order to advance. Uh, I defer to uh, Senate leadership and others on uh, things like legislative tactics and strategy. What I do know is that time is of the essence here. Uh, Again, you'd start seeing impacts not on the 9th, the week from tomorrow, but well in advance of the 9th. And, uh, you know, with our uh, economy uh, and everything that, that we've been through, uh, the headwinds that we face. Uh, this is something that would be a decisive turn for the worse. Uh, if uh, I'll tell you what I what I said to uh, the the labor leaders and the companies when uh, my administration colleagues and I addressed them all at once, urging them to get a solution at the table back in September. Which is, if this were to happen, if a shutdown were to happen, then later on, looking back at the early part of the 21st century, uh, at transportation uh, uh, shutdowns and their economic implications, uh, you would you would say there was COVID. Then there was this rail shutdown, and then 9 11, in that order, in terms of how severe and complex the implications for transportation were.
4: How much anger are you getting? How much blowback from the unions who have not, or the unions that have not signed off and ratified this? Because you are basically cutting them off. They have no further room for negotiation at this.
5: Well, again, I want to emphasize, this is about enacting a tentative agreement that was reached by labor leaders and company leaders alike. Uh, It isn't perfect, and uh, no one side will will say that they got... Uh, everything that they hoped for, everything that they wanted. Uh, but we're in a situation right now where the American economy is literally on the line. And uh, as much reluctance as there is, uh, certainly in this administration, uh, to have any kind of process that uh, uh, that intervenes like this. Uh, there's also a reason why I think 18 times so far since the Railway Labor Act was passed, Congress has taken a step to uh, to do that, to make sure that the American economy kept running, uh, and to protect the economic and, and national security equities that are at stake at a moment like this.
4: You think um, Bernie Sanders and Mark Rubio are just using this as a, a way to kind of further politicize things? I mean, when, when you lay it out, when you talk about the real implications for the economy, for so many workers, for businesses around around the country, I mean, it sounds pretty dire. dire. It sounds like there is no alternative.
5: Well, I I can't speak to uh, any senator and their thought process, but uh, when I'm addressing senators, as I'll be doing later today, uh, what I will be emphasizing will be just that, the the impacts that that would be associated uh, with with any kind of delay in the process here. And they would hit everybody, uh, from uh, industrial workers at factories no longer able to operate, to farmers no longer able to get their supplies, to uh, families who would see uh, the upward, just as we're starting to see inflation cool off, uh, we, we would see that upward pressure on prices uh, on everything from uh, uh, anything related to refineries to, uh, to just the goods not getting to where they're going. So uh, this is something that, that I hope makes it possible to put politics aside, uh, lay uh, aside any of the twists and turns that go through the normal tortured path to legislation getting done. And again, uh, if that sounds optimistic, I would say we saw exactly that in the House yesterday an exceptionally swift and exceptionally bipartisan vote around that tentative agreement. Now we're hoping the same can happen in the Senate because this really needs to get to the president's desk by this weekend.
4: Secretary Buttigieg, thank you very much and good luck today. Thank you. Coming up
0: on Squawk Pod.
6: This market is just so hungry for something good, but it's spring-loaded.
0: Now we can't promise good news, but Fed Chair Jay Powell has hinted at a holiday gift for consumers. The interest rates rode ahead right after this.
7: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery,
0: Federal Reserve Chairman Jay Powell confirmed yesterday that smaller interest rate increases are likely from the central bank, even as he still sees an uphill climb in the fight against inflation.
3: I don't want to over tighten. my colleagues and I do not want to over tighten because you know we, I think that cutting rates is not something we want to do soon. So that's why we're slowing down and you know, going to try to find our way
5: to what that right level is.
0: In remarks and a Q&A at the Brookings Institution in Washington, Powell said the central bank could reduce the size of rate hikes as soon as next month. Wall Street liked the chairman's sentiment and the Dow Jones industrial average closed up 737 points, snapping a three-day losing streak. Tech stocks did even better. The Nasdaq surged more than four percent. Joe Kernan will take it from here.
6: The market decided that that Jay Powell was uh, just seemed a little nicer about um you know n- maybe not being quite as grinchy at, at christmas as we had been assuming maybe 50 basis points still going to higher levels for for a sustained period he said but the market seized on uh, whatever positives that it, it gleaned from the comments yesterday and dow was up over 750 points and is now up 20 percent from the low so you'd call that it's kind of like the uh um, two straight quarters is a reset
3: I keep doing that, and I'm sorry. Take a
4: newspaper. Take a newspaper. I have an iPad, underneath.
3: folks, and and, it, and where's Tim Cook when you need him? And it, for some reason, it's it's making this sort of, you know, that I noise. Know, take, a the, take a newspaper. Take a newspaper. Anyway, as I was saying two, straight, as saying, two
6: straight quarters of a decline is not a recession. Right. Is a 20% move off the lows in the Dow bull market? I don't know. Are right. we in a bull market? I, I, Were we in a recession, that's what I mean. So it's we need new definitions.
4: Yeah, we do.
6: And I don't know
3: that squeaky clean. I was going to say, Larry Fink yesterday seemed to think that we're going to go into some kind of like longer term malaise down down the line. We believe we're going to have
6: rates fundamentally higher, you know, maybe where they are today. They're not going to go down at the same time. We're just not going to have... Uh, an economy that is based on real growth that we, we are accustomed to. So what-
3: I don't know what he really thinks that means it right this reasonable. second, yeah. but that's
4: like, maybe it's not a deep recession, but maybe right. you don't get out of it for a very long time, and that can be very detrimental over time, right. too. People, it's
6: not just it, a it, When you off. get a 40-year period of sustained low inflation and low interest rates and right. good stock market right. activity, I mean, if what there's policy? any reversion of the mean at all. But then the, the the bullish people would say, look at advances made in technology, He's medicine. still bullish long-term. Right. I mean, you know, if you look, again, it depends what your I time is. I mean, the the mankind, humankind is doing better than it's ever. I mean, I can't believe we still you know, potential for a nuclear war, but Putin notwithstanding, we are doing better in terms of life expectancy and treating disease and technology and instantaneous communication. Everything is
4: going really well. I just go back to what Stan was telling you at yeah, Alpha, the, where yeah, you could have a, a very ten long year, period ten-year stock to be unchanged the year from there. There. So, or, Miller, uh, ten years, Stan a decade, it. it's
3: it's in in right. 72? Several,
6: 72? a decade, or as some people call it, several years. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Thousands of stocks in the yeah. S&P 500.
6: That's right.
4: Let's get right to those comments from Jay Powell that sparked this rally yesterday. Steve Leisman is here, and he was in Washington with all of this, too.
1: I'm just looking at this uh, two-year. It was just
6: down like 20 basis points
1: yeah.
4: from
6: yesterday. Yeah. Is the inversion—I I tried to do the math quickly. It's it still would about have been three, additionally— uh, It's uh, still about 70 basis points. Think, it's still—hang right? se- on, I'll give you the exact— 10-year— 210 two you want? Yeah, two ten. I think two ten is
1: uh, well done, Joe. Seventy two point zero eight. Yeah, so it's still yeah. That that didn't didn't cure that. Yeah. But I'm going to ask the what I think is the question of the day: Did Fed Chair Jay Powell intend to give a speech that would lead to this decline in bond yields and a surge in stock prices? While there were, you know, a few dovish comments, his overall message, in my view, remained nearly as hawkish as it ever was. Uh, He said the Fed has a long way to go to restore price stability. He said rates will go higher than forecast in September, and then he said the Fed will stay the course until the job is done. But okay, now we're going to hear pretty much all the market heard.
6: Monetary policy affects the economy and inflation with
5: uncertain lags, and the full effects of our rapid tightening so far are yet to be felt. Thus, it makes sense to moderate the pace of our rate increases as we approach the level of restraint
3: that will be sufficient to bring inflation down. The time for moderating the pace of rate increases may come as soon as the December meeting.
1: I think, as Joe said at the top of the show, he'd already said that a couple times. All right, let's look at what happened to the peak funds rate. Uh, It it fell to 4.91 yesterday for the May contract, down from around 5.05 as the market started to price in the potential end of hikes early next year, springish, I guess you could say. So pricing shows the market debating if a 50 in December is followed by a 25 or a 50 in February and whether the Fed is either done after that or has one more 25 base point hike left, say in March. So either 75 or 100 to go before the Fed pauses. Maybe that justifies the rally, maybe not. Either way, I think it's a fair bet that a rally that eased financial conditions after the speech was not Powell's intention.
6: Yesterday, I I said, remember I said, did he just Xerox what he said last time? He didn't though, yeah. Well. And then I saw the markets and go, wow, he must have really said something. And then I and then I yep. looked at it. He xeroxed what he said last time, and th- and that, that was the response. It was a xerox, not from the August, stuff, the July, Jeff-
1: right. but more, but more we, from that. That we go to fifty, 50 yeah, yeah. but yeah. we go higher. Yeah, uh, we go uh, higher. Huh? We we we, may, we slow down, but we go
6: higher. That's, that's exactly what he said. And I week. want to
1: quote myself a little bit, Joe. Which is yesterday on my um, on the show, I said he was going to have a challenge, saying slower but not lower. And I think maybe the market misses the lower. The, 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 it's, well, it's just
6: slower, but it's not lower. I, I also had the feeling, and I asked Santoli, our senior. What is he? He's, he's like senior. a senior. He's senior uh, market senior commentator. That, I don't like, call me a senior. I don't like it. But with him, he's a senior, and I guess that's a good thing. That he's a, a, a until senior. it's not. There's until, a, right, right, right. a junior. But I then, said to him, I just had the feeling that that this market is like. Just so hungry for something good that it's, about that it's spring loaded. But it's spring loaded, and at like any data point in inflation, if it's soft or if it's a cool, anything like that, it's ready to take up. Or is it the opposite? If we are all of a sudden back where we get a really hot inflation number, are we going to give back ten percent? We would almost certainly.
1: But let me just say one thing, Joe, which is one of the things that i keep hearing from investors and guys running a lot of money is the worst part about this now, whole situation not s p f no a different guy okay running a lot of money <laughs> i have all some right. comments yeah. on that too but yeah. anyway um is 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 the volatility that you just don't know where all this ends so then ask yourself the question if i can suddenly see the end of this process whatever that is what's my bogey that i have to hit and if i can figure out what that is I can start to make reasonable decisions here and deploy money.
4: Look, you just don't want to be the last one out the door. Right. I, I think that's what market mentality comes down with some of these things. However, when you see rises like this in the past, Powell has pushed back and kind of jawboned it a little tougher afterwards because he doesn't want this inflationary impact from higher asset prices. You think he's going to do something given the move we saw yesterday or would it take additional moves in equity? I mean, send
6: someone out down. to do
1: some right to uh,
4: come I, down and start hatching. I think
6: there's a point
1: at which he's concerned about the stock market. I think where he really would be most concerned would be what happened to the bond yields. If you guys could put up that right. two years, say that's a dramatic, uh, that's, a, that's a loosening of financial conditions. Right. He doesn't that's want that to happen amid con- continued concern about
3: inflation and then being not sure that inflation is going to do come down. The question I have is, is it just an over-optimism, you think, by the equity markets or, frankly, the bond markets? I mean, it was talking about it being spring-loaded. And we've had this now the last six months, meaning any time there's been anything that's even looked positive there's been this sort of run I, I, and the question I, is is, I there, is the run right i can't know first of all i'm
1: always reluctant to say the market's wrong about something um because you just don't know what the market knows if the market thinks the fed is not going to do about Hold on, but this
3: summer you knew yeah there yeah. was a period yeah. you knew you, you <laughs> thought the market was wrong it was and the market it was, was wrong. right to think the market was wrong but here's the thing
1: if the market still is incorporating the idea of the Fed doing 100 or 75, it can do whatever it wants at that point. And I don't think the, the Fed has to lean on stocks. But here's the problem, is that what's happening with the two-year and the
6: loosening of financial conditions, I think the Fed may but have it's to the lean that. So the, t- the Fed can look at the two-year and say the, that market's wrong. We're under the impression that the 10-year can tell the Fed that it's wrong. Does the ten, in other words, if the ten-year really stays low, the yield lower? Yeah. Like three five three six, is that telling the Fed that you've done? Yeah, which done one's
4: in, the lighthouse, right? Right. Like uh, the two-year, the, the Fed
6: share. can control directly. Okay. Cl- closely, right, right, exactly. But the ten-year yeah. is is like a is, lot of money deciding what to do.
1: That, that's true, but but is the ten-year lower because the market thinks that inflation is going to be lower, or because there's going to be a recession, or you know what what is the actual signal from the beacon? And I'm always confused by that. Everybody thinks it's, so
6: a recession's it, built in. Yeah, but does not matter? In. If it is that it's indicating a slowdown, then, again, the Fed's done its work already. So whatever yeah. the tenure does should be the final word. Yeah, but it should be the final word. It should be the final word. the final word No, the tenure
1: no, no, should. I, be. I just don't know if that incorporates the idea the Fed is going to get to this point, call it four and three quarters, call it 5%, and stay there for a while. Or a recession while.
4: comes and forces the Fed to do something. j Powell said yesterday he didn't want to cut rates, that's not. why they're doing this. Right,
6: exactly. they don't want to
4: cut rates anytime soon. What
6: the exactly. world. Steve, thank you. It was j Powell and SBF. I feel, like, I feel unsatisfied. I feel like the, we didn't the, answer the question. they too the big.
4: No, I, I feel like I'd like to continue the, the conversation. we well, on, that's
6: on that's to continue the conversation. We've got decide two which, and a half four hours to go. Decide which guy you want to hang on every word, j Powell or SBF. It's weird. <laughs>
0: That's the podcast for today. Thank you for listening, as always. If you want to catch more of Andrew Ross Sorkin's interview with Sam Bankman-Fried, or if you want to catch any of the other highlights from the New York Times Dealbook Summit this week, head on over to NewYorkTimes.com. Andrew spoke with Sam Bankman-Fried, of course, but he also spoke to President Zelensky, Janet Yellen, Amazon CEO, Andy Jassy, and so many more when he's not hosting the DealBook summit for the New York times. He's on squawk box on CNBC with his colleagues, Joe Kernan and Becky quick to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show and a whole bunch of other things on wall street tune in right here and follow SquawkPod wherever you're listening. Now we'll meet you back here tomorrow.
5: We
6: are clear. Thanks guys.